can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you Uh, hello, I am Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my very best friend, Jane Blackburn Hammer, and you are hello. listening to Movies We Missed, a podcast dedicated to revisiting the films of yesteryear. Each week, one of us will take on the role of the assigner, and one of us will take on the role of the watcher, and the assigner gets to assign the watcher a movie that they have never seen before. I was the assigner this week, but before we get into that, I'm going to check in with Janie Pooh. And see how her world's feeling. My world's good. You know, when you talk about the assigner and the watcher, it very much brings to mind like a really real. Yeah, like a pre-planned sex act, which this podcast is not about, um, at least not this week. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we I had a very good week this week. I was got a new computer so we can not have any interruptions when we are recording. So I'm very, very excited about that. I feel like I can see myself in HD for the first time and mm. it's a little jarring but um, yeah. I'm gonna go with it um, you look so amazing th- oh thank you thank you what um, else did you tell me to say you no, you, you look, are you, you're yeah. the vision of you're the vision of, of beauty <laughs> you, you the vision <laughs> you the vision of beauty I, actually it's just you comma the vision it actually was duh vision is what you wrote I don't know if that's what right. you meant but it's you yeah, duh yeah. vision of beauty um mm-hmm. you have your finger on the pulse of all things culture yes um you are the movement mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. said everything you told me to say okay. yeah word for word and i will venmo you later um so just you know Maybe hold your breath you for that <laughs> okay well we're recording so you know that's we're... like when you go out to dinner with somebody and it's like <laughs> there's literally no excuse anymore like <laughs> there's no excuse <laughs> like I sorry to me cash <laughs> and it's like, like i've oh, got cash like- app i've got venmo every single way you can pay me. I guess the best way would be to like make up your own, like that you like make up one on the spot. Like, well, do you have like cash me baby and cash is spelled with a Q? That's the only one I have on my phone. The other ones won't download. Stupid iOS. Well, uh, you know what? You gotta head right to that app store and delete something else if you can't download it because it's time to pay the piper. I'll pay you back when I get home. And speaking of paying the piper... This week I did. I paid you in in views of a movie that you wanted me to watch. I have my I have my my blurb synopsis. Um, <laughs> okay, the movie choice this week <laughs> was the one, the only. The mirror has two faces, starring one Miss Barbara Streisand and directed by one Miss Barbara Streisand, which she I did wears not know. All the hats. She wears every hat, and she really is an icon and I do feel like I throw the word icon around a lot icon and iconic but she is actually deserving of that praise just given her resume but I was not excited to watch this movie at all this week Um, Mm. I was like putting it off because I don't really know much about Barbara Streisand I just think of her as like 
a absolute powerhouse yes in terms of like vocally mm-hmm. but i don't really know any of her movies and so i kind of assumed they were like not for me i i put it off i was procrastinating and then when i finally sat down and watched it i was delighted to the fucking max it was so good i really good really time. enjoyed it it's a really it was. good time i think it was. And I live to be proven wrong in these moments. I love it. And it was a fantastic two hours. Absolutely delightful. I mean, I think it's the best way to be proven wrong to be like <laughs> delighted by, to, to be like delighted by something unexpectedly. Always just yeah. Like to be clear, I don't like to be proven wrong in other scenarios because I have an ego, but mm. <laughs> in this yeah. one, it's welcome. <laughs> you? No. So, Brandon, I know you wrote down a quick plot summary. Yeah, I did. Okay, so we're just going to dive right into it. Okay. This is the story of two professors, both alike in tenure. Dr. Gregory Larkin, a middle-aged Columbia professor, is bogged down by an inability to strike a balance between love and career. One always seems to get in the way of the other. Sex often complicates his personal and professional endeavors. Finding himself at an impasse, Gregory decides to redefine what a successful intimate relationship looks like by removing sex from the equation altogether. He places a personal ad for a platonic life partner. Here enters Dr. Rose Morgan, a middle-aged and also quite accomplished Columbia professor, who, for a completely different set of reasons, finds herself also without a successful romantic relationship to date. After Rose's younger and much more romantically successful sister Claire answers Gregory's personal ad on behalf of her sister, Gregory and Rose meet and begin a whirlwind courtship largely based around shared intellectual ideas and scholarly pursuits. It appears that their platonic partnership is written in the stars at first. But soon, after thwarted attempts to renegotiate sexual boundaries and a call to re-examine what truly defines marital success, everything is called into question. You might want to give yourself a second once over in the looking glass, from a different angle perhaps, because word on the street is, the mirror has two faces. That was so beautiful. I am blown away. Was, did you write that all yourself? Was yeah. that all? Was, was it all, baby boy? I, I mean, I picked up a Dr. Seuss and just threw for inspiration. But you know, oh my god, that was a fantastic summary. So absolutely. The first thing I want to mention is you start out and you learn about Barbara Streisand, you learn about Jeff Bridges and their their characters. They're both professors, and they're supposed to be, you know, she's supposed to be this sort of dowdy, like unattractive character, which I guess has been like sort of a theme throughout her career. But it was so astonishing to me because both of them are like really attractive people. And so it was like, regardless of whether I love the movie or not, like that was like a hard pill for me to swallow. Also, I'm watching two very iconic people. They're both very attractive, you know, middle-aged people. So it was hard. That was hard for me to be like, okay, I buy that entirely off the bat. Yeah, no, I I mean, I agree with you. I think that obviously we mentioned Barbara Streisand directed the film. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I will say also, and I will point out, we didn't really get into it just yet, 
But yeah, whatever. Um, the movie, one of the things that critics sort of critique the movie for, it got some favorable mentions, but one of the things that was a through line was this idea, A, I mean, Barbara Streisand was sort of accused of uh, celebrating Barbara Streisand a lot, which, I mean, a part <laughs> of me is sort of like, like, I mean, if, you know, if Beyonce is going to do a remake of this movie, you better believe that, like, she's going to bring in the best cinematographer in the world. Um, Absolutely. So, like, and frumpy Beyonce is just going to be like Beyonce and glasses probably um so there, yeah. there is no frumpy beyonce like that <laughs> doesn't happen like, beyonce and like a frumpy wig with like a prosthetic something i guess but yeah i know you were gonna go for a nose it's okay this is I, I was well, i was well actually i was gonna go for prosthesis and then i was like that's not a word <laughs> absolutely um, not <laughs> so it was like prosthesis not a word prosthetic nose no don't go there then just settled <laughs> with prosthetic but yeah but that in came out the point is that yeah no that's something that people criticize her for and they also one of the reviews kept saying like Barbara Streisand is like such an iconic star and like she doesn't which I don't necessarily agree with this critique that she doesn't necessarily like shed that but I that was something that people talked about was like Barbara Streisand is so attractive she never allows herself to really look unattractive like she just throws her hair up in like a messy bun and like right well that was the thing too it was like they'd always be like Rose why don't you ever wear makeup and it's like I'm making direct eye contact with her eyeliner she's fully wearing makeup she, there wasn't there was literally not a scene in this movie where Barbara Streisand where Barbara Streisand didn't have a full face of makeup on. absolutely not she's no fucking fool of course not you're wearing a full face of makeup yeah. and it's gonna be stage makeup because she knows what she's fucking doing but I did also think like I did I did think at one point while I was watching it I thought like what would it be like if Barbara Streisand was literally like bare <laughs> like not a drop of makeup. I feel like that would be something that was explored if this movie was made now, maybe. Maybe, but it's like I genuinely don't know a movie or an actor or or sorry, I should probably say a, an actress that has ever done that. Maybe like Charlize gonna, Theron and Monster. Oh. <laughs> Who did you think is? I thought you were going to say Frances McDormand because like, I feel like three billboards. I feel like that's a movie where I don't think Frances, maybe she is, but I really don't think so. But also separate from this conversation, Jane and I have discussed a theory that like Frances McDormand at this point in her career, just sort of whatever she shows up in is what she's going to be filming in that day. So it's like, just there like, is no wardrobe. There is no makeup artist. It's just like a I'm ready. I've prepared. I will blow you away with my performance and I'm not fucking around with any makeup or hair or anything like that. I do just see her swatting away like makeup artists like coming near her. <laughs> and it's like, Francis, you signed on to play like Marie Antoinette. Like, we're going to have to like play around with makeup a little bit. And she's just <laughs> she's like, I'm here like, for nope. the fucking work. <laughs> and we respect it. We live for exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. I do want to talk about Jeff Bridges as well, because he's supposed to be this like befuddled professor who like also like bags really hot models, which they show like in the beginning, Elle McPherson is like an ex of his. And I had no idea Jeff Bridges is so gorgeous. He's got an insanely beautiful head of hair. He's got those gorgeous baby blues. At how, do you know how old he was in this movie? He was 47, I believe. 
Okay. Do you know how yeah. old Barbara was? I think 54. Okay. I'm glad one of us is doing some research because um, it is well, not no, me. But, well, no. I'm, I'm obsessed with age. And like, mm-hmm. when, like when I watch films, I just turned 16. So I'm thinking about <laughs> that I didn't before. You know, fingers crossed on that driver's permit. But, you know, mm-hmm. with <laughs> pandemic and everything, who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get you behind the wheel. But Yeah, and that fucker principal belding... <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't sign my my permission slip. I don't know. Also, means. I'm I'm sorry. I don't know what I, that means either. Why is the principal <laughs> signing permission slips for people to get their driver's license? Uh, also, if you're 16, we need to call the police on your husband. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about the way this aging process is happening. <laughs> drag me away for having like for having like the full on Jack disease. Um, <laughs> It's just like, you're living, you're dancing around Robin Williams age and Jack is what you're doing, Um, which is about as believable as like Jennifer Lopez as like a teacher. Um, But no, you're full on right. I also want to point out that Elle McPherson is in this movie. She She is. is, We don't want to participate in any Elle McPherson erasure. So I'm glad. No, no Elle McSlander. I think this is what probably inspired Nicole Kidman in the hours. (laughs) Elle McPherson is, she has red hair. So she has red hair. Recognizable. She is <laughs> the chameleon. She's transformed. And again, to mention another great, you know, which I've already mentioned before, but Charlie Snaren and Monster, you know, some people just transform into their characters. One thing that I did <laughs> notice about the movie from the beginning that is always very comforting to me because I love, I realized when I was watching this movie, which I already knew, and I know it's because of the time period that it falls in, but I love like movies from like the mid 90s they they fall in such a sweet spot Absolutely. for me as like a kid like and so like that quintessential 90s mu- music at the beginning it's usually like John Williams or like one of those composers it's it's like it's like totally. a variation on a theme and so many 90s movies especially movies that involve like a college at some point there's always like the scenes that could literally just be stock footage from like you know with honors starring Brendan Fraser or like Dave <laughs> oh starring Kevin Klein, like any Absolutely. movie with that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, yeah, I, of course it, it's that it's that um like jaunty, like um, yes. comforting. Like there's pipes, there's maybe like a harmonica involved, yep. and there's like it's like putting it's like wrapping like your grandmother's cashmere blanket around your shoulders, oh, and, like yeah. settling in. It's very much like that moment of it's like mood, pre yes. preteen like Sunday afternoon like mm-hmm. maybe someone's making cookies either way I'm sitting and I'm eating and I'm watching and it's let's leave your sex life out of this chair. <laughs> Um, but it's also like it's also always like this is literally what I thought every college campus was like as a child oh my like, god absolutely so I don't ever remember in any of my experiences in college I don't ever remember like college campuses ever being bustling the way that they are in movies there's not like, that don't... many people running around on bikes and it just I don't know and like playing like frisbee on the quad yeah or whatever. I don't remember that quad it's not fantasy. happening it's also like layered with like a just constant amount of anxiety because you're 18 and have no idea what you're doing so like you don't get that like comforting warm blanket feeling that the music makes you feel like you would have on on campus it's a full-on vibe that was one of the first things that i noticed and i feel like in any movie where they want you to know that like not that a woman is undesirable but that a woman 
is not completely in tune with like the prescribed the pres- a prescribed version of femininity mm-hmm. like there's all she's always really into sports and she always oh, yeah. is like she always eats in like a slovenly manner which i just think is really funny it's always like eating like fucking like ho-hos or snowballs um what is a snowball because i think it's so it's that pink ball when two men love each other okay um and they, <laughs> they make an agreement of sorts with their mouths all right uh, oh i'm sorry <laughs> no i meant the food which i guess this could also be described as food and i'm just digging um, myself a bigger hole but it's the, no the little sex stuff Okay. Hey, you, you, you brought it up. Um, so, uh, uh, another thing that I noticed, I don't know if you noticed just getting back to the movie. Um, so her sister, Claire gets married in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and it's, we assume it's her second wedding and it's a very big wedding. And then I, we find out later, it's actually her third wedding. Yep. I clocked that this time too. And I've never <laughs> clocked too. that before. Me too. Mm-hmm. And I, Brandon and I have previously discussed like, <laughs> you get one opportunity for a big wedding. And if the marriage doesn't work out and you want to get married again, you have to go quietly into that good night and maybe like have like a nice dinner with like six to eight people and sign some paperwork and boom, you're married. But it was like so, so, so much for the ring. There were like 200 people there. It was a, it's a big wedding, but also it tells you a lot about who she is, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Because we, we also talked about the, but we did say that there are exceptions. The one exception is of course, if you are a widow or a widower, like exactly. if you want a second big wedding, like I'm sure mm-hmm. you deserve it. So go for mm-hmm. it. But there's just something about like the full on like princess fantasy, unless, I, I guess I will also add on unless your first wedding was like a really really small affair maybe and like mm-hmm. just adjusted the piece or you know or there's another exception that I just thought of now okay. <laughs> so we make the rules this, by the way everybody so this rule is down. obviously so fucking loose but if the person you're marrying, if it's their first wedding and they really want to experience yes, that. Yes, that is true. I think, yeah, and then I I'm think. like, okay. But like, if that was me, I would like constantly talk about how like, oh, I didn't want to do it again. But you know, whoever oh, yeah, was deciding no, to, because, you know, wanted to go big. <laughs> yeah, that's just like deeply rooted, like self-hate in Jane. <laughs> that we would both feel the need to spend the entire wedding being like, my hands were really tied on this one. Yeah, yeah he wanted I promise. a big wedding. <laughs> <laughs> He'd never had one. Who was I to, to deny him that, you know? And my first marriage was so marred by by infidelity. and mm-hmm. um, Not on my part, of course. <laughs> no, but everybody met Dave. I mean, you met a part of him. You met the side of him that he wanted you to see. Um, but have you seen the movie What's Love Got to Do With It? <laughs> that have was... You, have you of Ike and Tina. I'm more of the Tina in this scenario. Yeah, I don't like to don the cloak of hero, but it's like a glove. Um, so, 
So yeah, so no, you're absolutely right. We both agree that like the second, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's the a third game. wedding. It's it, this was her third wedding, and not only that, she had <laughs> her sister Barbara Streisand. She had her be her bridesmaid, which is like humiliating because yeah. Bar- Babs was like in her fifties at that point. Like that's past. <laughs> one of the things. This is one of the things I actually wrote down. By the way, was like oh really? Was her being was I just wrote down like to be like in your mid fifties? It's like <laughs> no, I will not be your maid of honor. No, I will not be your matron of honor. No, I will not stand with you. I, I think just, matron you know. of honor is only if you are married. Oh, you're so right. Can, it is. That's the whole thing. It's like no, I'm not doing any of it. Like I'm 54 years old. You're my <laughs> younger sister. You're getting married for the third time. I've never been married before. I'm gonna show up in a smart pantsuit with my hair tied back right. and an acceptable amount of makeup. But instead, she has to show up in her sister's choice of a Pepto Bismol pink prom dress from 1962. And not only is there the dress, but there's like there's a matching pink choker, there's matching pink flowers in her hair, and she's wearing these like white. They're, they're not I wrote this down too. They're they're gloves. They're but they're they don't have fingers, so what? I guess they're called. Like, What's that thing? The arm called? warmers. It's like, but no, but that thing that you can that connects. It was a thing that connected her middle finger. It was like a hook, like yes. connected to the glove that keeps her. That you would see like old school like debutantes wear or something like that. Yeah, it's not. It was not, and they were white. It was. It was so just a awful. bad look. If she was, if she was twenty five years old, it still would have been like, oh, she looks horrible. And it's just cruelty to do to your older sister at your third wedding. Also, I love that Jane put her in like the quintessential, like the outfit that like every lesbian wears to any like function, (laughs) which is like a sensible pantsuit and like a tight ponytail. (laughs) To be clear, I've never worn a sensible pantsuit. (laughs) It's like all business. Like it's like I'm here for this wedding and then I'm going to go do my taxes right after. Well, it's best to be efficient. I feel it's like that. It's like Bernie at the, um, at the inauguration. Like it's very that like, this isn't the only thing on my agenda today. It's an event I had to make it to, but it's then here. Also- and then it's mailboxes, et cetera. And FedEx and then back home to Vermont. And if I can make it to the container store, I will. But if I can't, there's always Sunday. Boo, boo. <laughs> so another thing that I wanted to mention to you that I was like, this is weird. In this movie, we find out that Claire, Barbara Streisand's sister, answers this personal ad for her mm-hmm. to connect her to Jeff Bridges slash Gregory yes. Larkin. Yeah. And when he initially reaches out to Barbara, he doesn't mention that that's why he's reaching out to her. And then he tells her finally after some time dating, and I think he tells her right after he proposes marriage to her, he's like, by the way, your sister answered this personal ad for you. And that's why I reached out to you. And the thing that like gives me pause is that it is just such an anticlimactic reveal because nobody like gets mad about it or feels weird about it. And so 
I'm wondering like why the writers were like, yeah, let's hold off this information and then roll it out later. And the payoff is going to be nothing <laughs> because no one cares. Did you notice yeah, that? No, you're right. I noticed like the ease with which it was revealed. And I noticed how her response was, well, you picked me. Why would I be upset? But I also, exactly. the one thing that should also be noted is the fact that he doesn't tell, which is interesting to me because I would want to know exactly what that ad said. And he doesn't tell her. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I can tell you exactly what that ad yes, said because I wrote it down. listeners, right? Yeah, let them know what the ad actually says. Okay, so let me just paint a picture of the viewing experience for the listeners. So, Professor Gregory, he opens up his computer from 1996 and just fires up a Word doc. And this is what he writes. Columbia University professor, parentheses, male, seeks woman interested in common goals and companionship. Mm. Must have PhD and must be over 35. Physical appearance, not important. Don't care. (laughs) So like... First of all, the thing that jumps out to me the most is must have PhD. I mean, the elitism is absolutely dripping in this ad. I mean, here's the deal. I understand wanting to have someone who can have important and deep conversations with you, but that doesn't necessarily require a PhD. No. I feel like there are plenty of people in this world who have a PhD who who have trouble connecting on an intellectual. I mean, that honestly, that doesn't even, that doesn't require any degree it doesn't even require a high school diploma like no some of the most intelligent people i know didn't finish any type of school at all so yeah. exactly you mean what you're really after is you want someone you want to be able to have a sort of meeting of minds you want someone who values scholarship and like that kind of thing but you don't you can be a person without any degrees and be a voracious reader and a person who keeps up on politics and has interest in like philosophy and architecture and you know classical music yeah no i i you you're absolutely right, Jane. I totally yeah, agree. I mean, whatever. It's such a silly thing, but that's just kind of thing. And maybe it's just a, a pet peeve of mine because I do think of myself as being slightly undereducated. So I'm always like, hey, I'm fucking smart. <laughs> as if as if I'm in this movie <laughs> trying to answer a personal ad from Jeff Bridges. Either way, I'm going to find something that offends me. So <laughs> No, you're very learned. You can't always read a room. <laughs> but I've seen you read a book. So... <laughs> Different different types of reading. Very important. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I also wrote down, is Austin Pendleton the original cuck? <laughs> who is like, Austin Pendleton? Austin Pendleton is Barry. He's the guy who calls Rose and wants to go on the date with her. He oh, like, is that the actor's name? Austin Pendleton. Uh-huh. And you expected me to know that. Just he plays a lot of those sort of like... You know, the the sniveling men who sort of allow themselves to be walked on for an extended period of time and you wonder if they enjoy it, kind of. Which also, to dive back into the movie in a very sporadic way, I will also (laughs) add on, which we did not mention, that The Mirror um, Has Two Faces is actually a remake of a 1959 film. What? uh, Which was, it was a French film, though. Oh my god. You can tell how much research I did. That's crazy. I had no idea. and, And it was called, it's called The Mirror Has Two Faces in French. Oh, Not, okay. I mean, and are you going to attempt the pronunciation? Yeah, yeah, well, I think we should both try it. Okay. Also, wait, disclaimer, I have never taken a French class in my entire life. I mean, I, I have, and this isn't going to be good. <laughs> okay, go. Okay. 
Neuradu faces. I feel like it shouldn't be faces. I feel like it's. I feel like you don't finish the word in French, so it'd be like in French, so it'd be like le miroir a du face. Chapard, do you better? <laughs> Either way, please don't write in and let us know. Um, no, don't don't. We want. We, we're, we're dragging ourselves right now. We don't need to I also want to live in the world where we're right. So leave us yes. alone. Yes. <laughs> okay. So another point that I <laughs> wanted to make while we talk about this movie. So this movie has like it's in Manhattan. It has a very like '90s New Yorky mm-hmm. feel. And Barbara Streisand is sort of like the quintessential New York lady. Mm-hmm. And so they go to this restaurant for their first date and it's this I've never seen a restaurant like this in my life and I'm curious as to whether this is a real thing like maybe this is only in New York but it's a restaurant that has dinner and a dance floor and there's like easy listening music playing in the background Mm -hmm. and there's couples like swaying on like a parquet dance Mm -hmm. floor while they're like enjoying their meal and I want to know Brandon if you've ever Mm -hmm. been to an establishment like that or have ever seen anything like that well, I'm learned, you know, been around enough to know enough. Very like, have you seen the movie Curly Sue? <laughs> yes, of course. Very that, you know, mm, very. Mm. Which I think was New York too. I don't know. I haven't seen yeah, it since I was course, a kid. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I am New York, according to a lot of people. <laughs> have you ever been to New York? I don't think you have. What do you mean by been to New York? Have I seen great <laughs> movies that have transported me there? 100%. No. Baby, you're from Texas. You ended up in Chicago. Here we and go. You <laughs> Go ahead and use your favorite word of, of the day, Jane. What's my favorite this word is of the quintessential day? Quintessential erasure is what. <laughs> um, coming for part of my narrative. So, mm. um, no, I haven't ever seen a place like this before. But I feel like it's a. I, I feel like it's a, a sign of the times. I don't mm. know. I feel like maybe this used to be more of a thing. I would say that I would imagine restaurants. I mean, you need to have like a certain amount of square footage to pull off like a dance floor in the middle a of a huge restaurant. amount. And I mean, real estate is scarce in Manhattan, so I don't know why the this has got to be. I just wonder if it's dated. If it's just like a dated concept now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that whole idea of going out and dancing and like like because you think about it, like where where in the world, if you wanted to like take your significant other out for a night of dancing, I don't mean like I know you could go to like a salsa club if you want to do that, or you go to a you know I don't know. I'm gonna sound old no matter what I say. I was going to say, like, a hip-hop club. Oh, I hate myself. Um, but, like... Well, like, I think of a club, and I think of, like, doing, like, several lines of cocaine and, like, dancing to... I mean, I've never done that, but you dance to, like, techno music. Like, I don't think of, like... I don't know. I my biography. <laughs> Going out dancing means going to like a club like that. To, to go to like that's that's what I mean. I feel like there used to be probably like for sure in like the fifties and the sixties. I feel like that was a part of the experience. Maybe so. Maybe that was the whole thing. Was it was like a throwback? Like I feel like the idea of going out and like slow dancing to like Muzak. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like a very specific mood, but I feel like it's a sign of the times. I feel like that was probably the end of it. Like that was probably yeah the end of the era. I do also want to address the fact that fucking Babs, every time they went out to a restaurant in this 
movie, she ordered like a salad. And I know women in the 90s were only allowed to eat salads, but it was like so upsetting because I know these dinners are probably expensive and they show her plate and it's like six pieces of romaine lettuce and like a smattering of like radicchio. And she's like, "Mm, my dinner's here. And it's so, I'm so tired of seeing women like eat like fucking rabbits on dates in the 90s. Well, what's also interesting about it is that not to jump ahead to come back, but whatever. There's a scene later in the this movie one. where they sort of talk about it a little bit. And when they're having that dinner with her, her mom for the first time and her mom's mm-hmm. sort of trying to police like her food intake. Totally. And, all, and so there's, but there's that scene, but there's never a moment, even in the montages later on, where we sort of see the relationship blossoming. We do see them go to like what looks like a, a bakery of, of some sort and they mm-hmm. get like some sort of pastry, but they go on mo- more dates as the relationship progresses. And it's clear that like given the circumstances under which they are meeting appearance not being as big of a thing for him she feels right it would be nice to see like a scene uh later on as she gets more comfortable of her like housing like uh sirloin i want to see her eating six hot dogs in like four minutes and you know that's what i want to see never (laughs) of course not but you know we can all we can all dream um but yeah, I mean, the whole time they really are policing what she eats and it, yes. it, it like pushes this narrative that like Barbara Streisand is some sort of fat slob and they're like making fun of like how she dresses. And it's like they dress her in like what can only be described as like only black or like muted colors. She looks like she's in like a like a cashmere hefty bag. Like she's very comfortable, but, you know, her clothes are expensive. She did say in an interview, she did say one of the things that she loved about the character was that she only that was one thing she connected with was that Rose only wore black because she only wears black. Really? Yeah. And then I started wow. looking through photos of Barbara Streisand. Not like photos of Barbara Streisand in movies, but like photos of her, like photo shoots and stuff. And so many photos of Barbara Streisand in black. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see you, Babs. Yeah, but she does I wear, guess. you're right. She does wear a lot of black. And she wears a lot of like things that go up to like her neck. Like, and then are so baggy like so like like enough for like six people to fit in there which like yeah. i don't that sounds very comfortable to me it particularly right crazy. now yeah. like she does look really I, comfortable a lot sign me up but like apparently that's very very unattractive and and dowdy and so we can't find her we can't think of her as a sexual being in those outfits oh there was something else i wanted to say so i think it's so funny that after they get married and mm-hmm. she's signed on to settle for this like non-sexual partner Mm-hmm. which like no shade of relationships yeah, works come for in you, all works different you. shapes yeah. and sizes works for, for sure. you but I mean clearly we're figuring out throughout this movie that that's her settling that's not what she mm-hmm. wants she wants passion she wants love and all that kind yes. of stuff so they have this this very you know in contrast to the, her sister's huge wedding they have a mm-hmm. very muted wedding at City Hall and then they go and she moves into his apartment and I think it's so funny that she's moved the bedroom they have two twin beds like yep. it's like like some sort of like Ozzie and Harriet, Lucy and Ricky situation. And I'm like, this is what, 1996? Yes. You're in New York City. Like, why are you doing this? Like, 
get a two bedroom and you can each have your own room, a queen size bed, watch what you want. Like, you know what this is. You're not pretending for anybody else. Why are we doing this? That's genius. What? I, I never thought about that. I oh. was an, I was annoyed by this scene because I thought, why two beds? And I thought, oh my God, are you agreeing to sleep in a twin bed for the rest of your life? Because <laughs> like, why would you do I that? I can't imagine, like, by choice, sleeping in a queen, like, in a twin bed. I was just thinking, like, get, like, a king and just, like, put pillows in between you or whatever if that's what you want to do. But your idea is actually the idea, which is if yeah. we're not going to be in a romantic relationship... There's literally no reason for us to sleep in the same room. 100%, Jane. Get your own Ex- room. Get your own bed. Get your own room. And that way you don't have to, like, shyly go into the bathroom yeah, to change. Yeah, it's going to be awkward like, between you. They're, like, going to bed and they're like, what do you want to do? Like, let's watch a movie. And she's he's like, oh, let's watch Lawrence of Arabia because it's super long. And, of course, I had to Google to see how long that was because I was like, how long is that movie? It is three hours and 48 minutes, Brandon. That's a long movie, yeah. Well, she saw That's she too up. long. She had that. She had that. Um, that double, that Titanic double VHS situation <laughs> happening. I did clock that. <laughs> yeah, and I remember because we had it, and I remember thinking it was so cool. Like the packaging, I just thought, oh, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> it's I had a so thing about big like, and bulky. <laughs> I had a thing about like double VHS tapes and double CDs as a kid. I thought that I was like when I would get like a CD and it was like the case flipped out and there was another CD oh. and it was like, oh man, like they got a story to tell absolutely particularly with the double cds i remember when i got the soundtrack the original broadway recording of rent and it was no flex (laughs) (laughs) it was a double cd and i like Mm -hmm. literally could not contain the excitement within me because you were like we're going we're going in we're going in and I'm going to be in my bedroom for seven hours learning every lyric to every song. Would you like my candle? That's a whole nother podcast. Oh, the part I want to talk about. This is my favorite part of the movie for sure. And maybe why... Okay, well, whatever. So, eventually, Babs decides that she's going to seduce her husband and try to make him have sex with her. And and she asks for it. She's like... Here we go. This (laughs) guy... <laughs> no, I mean she actually she actually asks him to have oh, sex. Oh yeah, she literally does. <laughs> okay. And she's like, "Is is tonight okay to have sex or whatever?" And he like does a spit take of his coffee, and he's like, "Oh, okay." Because when they arranged their marriage, he said like, "If you need to have sex sometimes, like as long as I have enough warning, I can I can perform <laughs> whatever." Yeah, that is something that I can do for you. But like, it was yeah. definitely clear that this was a marriage that he was entering into they hadn't even kissed when he proposed to her like this was a marriage that was like being entered into with the understanding that like sex was not going to be like a central aspect of it and like not really a part of it at all except for mm-hmm. like you know if he's got enough warning i guess to get his cialis prescription filled i don't know <laughs> Like she puts on the sexy black teddy, mm-hmm. she lights the candles, the girls are out, and spoiler alert, <laughs> they're good. And she brings a glass of wine and she's like trying to seduce him, and he's a little resistant at first. And then you can see that he like starts to get into it, and he like really wants to. But right before he stops himself and he 
gets mad and is kind of rude to her and is like, you know, I thought you understood what this is and I made doubly sure that there would be no physical attraction here. And that is such a hurtful thing to hear from your husband. And obviously so crazy because she is a pretty, she is a beautiful woman. Like it's just insane. But my favorite is when she barrels into the bathroom covered in tears Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she watches herself cry for a second in the mirror, which is absolutely the most dramatic move ever and then throws the mirror dramatically over the mirror so she doesn't have to look at herself i was just like this is this is the moment i was waiting for and frankly what i was expecting having never seen a barbara streisand film i was expecting it to be very over the top and dramatic like that and this is really what delivered it for me it's it's a very high drama i also want okay i want to point out a couple things first of all like we didn't really talk about how fine Jeff Bridges is but Jeff Bridges is like a full on snack like he looks He's so good in this movie he is mm-hmm. so handsome and the scene where he actually is the most beautiful is the scene that I for me was the wedding they do one close up shot on him at the wedding where he's smiling and he's sort of beaming because he's so happy and then they then the camera pans to um, Rose and she's you can see the reticence on her face as so she's sort of mulling over but the, the shot on him first of all he looks like he's like 22 um <laughs> jeff bridge's skin looks amazing in this movie he and is just, so beautiful i did not know he was so good looking he's a, he's a very good looking man and so that but also in this scene he looks super fine but the thing i wanted to point out was also during this scene before that dramatic moment there's a moment when she sort of like throws herself at him and they start kissing and there's a conflict for him and she's all into it and then he pulls away from her and he runs in the bathroom and then Barbara is like on the ground sort of curled in this ball and then she sort of uses her arm to get up on one arm and the whole time she's like making these noises that must have been done like they had to be done in like like ADR, ADR. Like after the yeah. movie it was very like oh, oh. it was just so they were just so dramatic and it was just like why 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 is this what's happening right now it was just like oh <laughs> and then the thing that I loved about the scene as an actor, it's the longest take in the whole movie. She crawls up to the Absolutely. bed. She sits on the edge of the bed. And then you sort of have the vantage point of her sitting on the edge of her twin bed. And you mm-hmm. can see the bathroom door behind her. So Jeff's gone in the bathroom to cool off. He comes out and this is when his monologue about how this isn't what was supposed to happen. He also asks her, which is so fucked up. Is this some sort of female manipulation? Um, and like it's uh, which I asked Dave the other day when he did something and he didn't take too kindly to it Um, (laughs) but it's like that scene is it's like two minutes it's just like two minutes of the camera on her in the corner and Mm -hmm. he's sort of like pacing back and forth and going through things and sort of like being a little accusatory and cruel and but as an actress you can see her she doesn't speak you know he asks her questions like did you really think that like this could work did you really think did you enter into this thinking that you could change the arrangement at some point and she's like 
she just nods her head sort of pained but it's like it's such a gift as an actor I was watching that and thinking you know that the director being Barbara Streisand I was like she's smart <laughs> because she has set herself up so well for this emotional journey because the worst thing in a heightened emotional state like that is to have to cut for different camera angles and stuff to set up mm-hmm. when you are on an emotional journey it's like it's I mean she's a stage actress you know she started out as a stage actress and that's like what it's like when you're in a play and you get that full journey of that, that character it can be jarring in my experiences translating that to to film to doing like movies and stuff I didn't even think about that and having That's to cut the point. camera because it's hard because as soon as the camera stops I haven't been in a lot of movies but I have been in a couple and I have had experiences where I had to be in an emotionally heightened state and as soon as the camera stops unless you've got a director who's like running things with an iron fist what happens sometimes is that the crew starts dicking around and people start joking and stuff not about what you're doing but just, but just sort of in like, between takes just in between and, takes yeah. i mean they're doing their job and somebody says something funny and it can just like it can cause like a deflating in the room as far mm-hmm. as you having to sort of harness that energy a really good director which i've had the experience of working with they will sort of spirit you away temporarily or get you in mm-hmm. an area because they want to sort of preserve that for you where you mm-hmm. are your emotional inner life but i just want to say that that was like i thought to myself like barbara streisand is a very smart woman because she set this scene up for herself perfectly. She was like, I'm going to set this camera up and we're going to go on the full journey and I'm going to have everything that I need. And it helps. I mean, it's going to help the other actor too. It was just like, of course, yeah, just a really great moment. But I also, I just wanted to point that out. But yeah, you were absolutely right, Jane. The moment with the mirror and the the music (laughs) increases. I said to Dave, I was like, this feels very like Beauty and the Beast. Like, Well, it's so funny because it's like the rest of the movie is actually quite a comedic movie and so this moment of heightened drama which is like intense and I love the mixture of comedy and and drama and and doing that really well and I think I think this movie does that but this was this moment that I feel like was just so much and my favorite part is when she like looks in the mirror and drinks herself in while she's crying (laughs) which like I it's like such a dramatic thing to do it's from the Jane playbook by the way well Actually, this reminds me of an experience when I was like seven years old or something like that. My mom was yelling at me because I didn't clean my room or something like that. And she was walking around behind me, yelling at me in my room, trying to pick things up. And I remember like turning to the mirror and watching myself cry. And my mom... (laughs) calling me out on it and being like look I know you love to watch yourself fall apart in the mirror but you better get down here and help me clean up this room and I was like so jarred in that moment being like whoa I have been called out for my own narcissism I'm seven years old I don't know how to handle this appropriately and it was a great humbling experience because now I don't need to make a movie where I cry in the mirror no you can cry in the mirror now on your own. Your own home. <laughs> I don't think I've done it since, but I do appreciate the dramatics of that. <laughs> so after this insane emotional breakdown, they end up spending some time apart because he goes to Europe and they have this like whole makeover sequence 
Babs is in the gym. She's doing her aerobics. And it's like all these funny cutaways of her. (laughs) Like everyone is dressed like they just walked off the set of like a Jane Fonda workout video. And she's like in like, you know, Columbia sweatshirts and bumbling around. But she's like starting to like get the hang of it and losing weight. Although like... (laughs) She was a very thin woman and we just saw her like in a teddy. We know that like she's like absolutely in no need to do that. But like she looks lovely. But when you are making a a movie about a woman who. Which is also the only reason that they had her in those baggy clothes the entire film. Absolutely. Because you better believe Babs wasn't putting on weight to lose it. This wasn't the machinist. Like. No, she wasn't Bridget Jonesing it. No. What? Oh, Renee Zellweger going from like, I'm sorry. Size two to like size four. Yeah. She's like, I and they're like, size, she. I was a size eight for like a month of it. And then I started to worry about my health. And I have to get back down to fighting weight. But. And People Magazine is like, fat Zellweger. How could she? Renee Zellweger has a butt. <laughs> Yeah, no. The crime of the fucking century. There were several times where she was jogging and Dave said to me, she has the worst gait ever. And I don't know if it was, (laughs) I don't know if that was a Barbara Streisand choice or if that was just bad running. But he was like, her form is so bad. And I was like, it's maybe just the, that's the actress at work. Although, who knows? Um, I feel like Barbara Streisand, I feel like Barbara Streisand's the type of person who doesn't get told that she's wrong very often in life. No, of course not. I can imagine like a personal trainer who's got a really cushy gait and just can't bring themselves to like you know correct her so it's just like everything's great you're fabulous you're best at everything ever great um so that was the first thing the second thing i was going to point out was that dave also pointed this out which is while she was working out at one point she's working out like a on a butterfly machine like the ones that do this and she stops and she pulls out a raw carrot and bites into it And she also does it later on in the same scene. She does it with a celery stick, like just a bare celery stick. And both times Dave said, that is so fucking disgusting. She literally just took her hands off of that butterfly machine that millions of people have touched and then put that raw carrot in her mouth with her bare hand. That is so disgusting. Particularly now, like that's like a pre-COVID world where we were just so fast and loose with our germs. I watch everything I watch now. I have a half second where people do something and I think COVID. And I'm like, oh, no, I know. Is. Then I'm like, it's- oh, this is 1974. Um, <laughs> but it's constant. There's also a scene earlier in the movie, which we haven't mentioned yet, but her mother is played by the incomparable Lauren Bacall. Oh my God. How um, did we not talk about um, that yet? Lauren Bacall's her mother, who she lives with at the beginning of the movie. And I mean, a big part of Rose's issues stem from like having a mother who was played by Lauren Bacall who is freaking gorgeous now, then, forever. It's distracting. She's one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever seen. And anytime she's on screen, I, I'm i just... I, if there's anybody else in the scene, I don't look at them. Like, that's how beautiful she is. And she was like 72 when this movie yeah, came out. she was like 72. She's absolutely dropped at gorgeous in this film. Um, there's also photos, like, which I've talked to about before. My favorite thing in movies is anytime there's a celebrity in a movie where they have to have quote unquote younger photos. No, no, why quote unquote it is what it is. Younger photos. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> they have to have younger pictures of them in the movie from like, you know, their 20s or their 30s or whatever. And it's clearly like a person who's been 
famous for so much of their life that you know that like it's a photo of like Lauren Bacall that like Humphrey Bogart was like cut out of. It's like seriously, it's like, like her headshot from like 1943, and she like I don't know if that's the year I just made that up, but she no, yeah. looks stunning. I mean, no, it's like yeah, it's like it was yeah, it was like a photograph taken like I said like by like Louis B. Mayer. Like it's like <laughs> it's that level of fame that has like sort of been a part of her life. She's been ensconced in for such a long period that even these photos of her just being. Dropped it gorgeous in the movie. There's a scene earlier. Well, also that photo, that photo in and of itself is recognizable. Like I've oh, seen yeah, that photo own. before. Yeah, exactly. So it's like my eye immediately goes to that photo on the like banquette or whatever you call it. And it's like, yeah, I've seen that photo. That is the quintessential photo of Lauren McCall when she's like 20 years old. Well, they're also just like the photos themselves are just so in addition to like her being beautiful in the photos, the photos themselves are beautiful, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like composition. Of course. So yeah. they are just very striking pictures so I mean it's like seeing it's like seeing a photo of Joan Crawford I'm gay mm-hmm. by the way um, it's like seeing a photo of Joan Crawford being absolutely stunning in like 1935 on hey, like Bran. a bureau I think the fact that you made me watch a Barbara Streisand movie did all the talking for you I don't think you needed to officially come out on this podcast <laughs> so look who's talking too um, so so that was a really straight mask movie that's why I mentioned it um, yeah of course, of course. Um, but yeah there's a scene earlier in the movie when Lauren Bacall Hannah is the character's name Hannah is meeting Gregory for the first time and they're having mm-hmm. a dinner and there's a moment in the scene where Rose begins doling out rolls to people with her bare hand and I remember thinking <laughs> and then and then Hannah points it out and says Rose and then you know Gregory's <laughs> like oh it's fine but I just remember thinking yeah girl get like get some tongs. get like a tongs or like or a napkin and just put the napkin on your hand and sort of plop them out but yeah or like latex gloves and like a hazmat suit and a fucking mask like whatever your kink is is, you can fulfill it at dinner with you know your would be with Lauren Bacall and Barbara Streisand god can you imagine be a fly on that wall um so I took us back so I'm sorry Jane you were no no that's okay reveal you were taking us into the, the her transformation so so first of all she doesn't speak to her husband the entire time he's in Europe. He like is trying to make phone calls to her and she just like won't return them and won't pick up his calls. But the, all the while she's like getting ready to like be the hottest thing that he's ever seen. Basically she wants him to see her as a sexual being. And so she's spending a lot of time on her outward appearance trying to make that happen. So she, he shows up and like, the funniest thing to me about this is like she's now in their apartment she's made this sexy dinner and the camera like pans up I either like pans up her body or down her body or whatever but she's wearing this like tight black dress and she's got blonde soft curls she's now lightened her hair she's gone from a brunette to a blonde which we instantly know is movie for I got really hot but she looks how are you exactly. doing those golden locks Jane? <laughs> By the way, I am a blonde, so just so you know, I'm very, very hot. And <laughs> she's like in this sexy black dress, and she looks 
exactly the fucking same. <laughs> she just has blonde hair and a black dress. And don't get me wrong, she looks beautiful because she's been beautiful the whole movie. And by the way, she's wearing the exact same amount of makeup as she was wearing when she said she what doesn't That's a wear question. makeup. Okay, that is a question for you. You you know a lot about makeup. So is she is she literally wearing the same amount of makeup that she's been wearing the entire movie? Yes. I mean, maybe, maybe they put on another coat of mascara, maybe a, a very subtle set of fake eyelashes, but to me, it looks almost identical. Gotcha. I mean, okay. truly, she's wearing makeup in the rest of the movie, so like, whatever, but like, maybe instead of a <laughs> brown eyeliner, they use a black eyeliner, but it's it's makeup, and it's yes. not that different from what she's wearing, and she looks exactly the same. The only difference is that she's blonde and got a tight dress on that's so funny and um well this actually ties into what i was going to say so this is you know the last time we talked about the scene with the confrontation where he calls her unattractive she runs off back home to to her mother who had misgivings about this entire sort of premise for a marriage anyway like a marriage without any sort of attraction um but she goes back home gregory was already set to go on this six-week tour with his book to europe she was originally going to join him but of course after this falling out he's gone she's home there's over the course of the montage he makes multiple phone calls back home he keeps getting the answer machine or hannah her mother answers the phone and says she's not there so it's like he doesn't know what he's coming home to and then he comes <laughs> home to her and then there's a moment in this scene it's, it becomes another confrontation because now gregory's upset because she's beautiful and this isn't what he signed up for and I frankly i think her. he's also upset because like he's like i haven't heard from you and now there's like now you're like oh, made sure. a nice dinner for us like i don't get what's going on and quite rightly, I think he is an absolute, he Can does have a leg to stand on in this argument where it's like, hey, I didn't hear from you for like three months. Like, what's up, girl? There's also, okay, so here's another thing that is purely logistical. And I don't know why this was something that stuck out to me. So we're going back a little bit, guys. Jeff Bridges' best friend <laughs> is played by the the lovely George Siegel. Um, he meets her and he actually gets on very well with Rose. And there's a moment earlier in the movie where Rose says to, uh, Gregory mentions that he stopped by her office to take her to lunch. And she says, oh, I was out with Henry. And he's like, watch out for him. And she's like, I'm not his type. I think we're good. But there are these sort of like snippets of sort of letting us know that they have a relationship a little bit or something, somewhat of a relationship she does with her husband's best friend. It's like, you know, that they've connected, which is cool. But then like later on in the movie during the montage when he's trying to get a hold of Rose, he ta- he calls Henry and like Henry's like, oh, she, stopped, she took off the rest of the semester after you left. So she's on like some sort of leave from school, which is just, oh, I, I guess, to do this makeover. Till, yeah, yeah, she's taken the leave for the rest of the semester to like, I mean, do her makeover, eat her carrots and celery, I guess. Um, <laughs> what an extreme reaction to being like, I'm getting a makeover so I can't work anymore. So I can't work and get my hair dyed. Um, so. And she- let me like beat down the fact that like this makeover is so similar she ends up looking exactly the same (laughs) yeah it's yeah no it's it's so true but i just think it's really funny that in that montage when gregory finally gets a hold of henry and he's like yeah she apparently she took the rest of the semester off and then um gregory says how do you know that and then henry says oh i heard from her mom and i just thought why couldn't you just say like oh i I, you know i ran into her at a bookstore i ran into her at the gym or something but like i heard 
from her mom was just like, what? So you're calling her house as well as Gregory? Right. And also like, she- presumably you work at the same university. I think that's how they all know each other. Yeah. They're you just all ran into Columbia her. professors. <laughs> yeah. Also, you could just say, apparently she took the rest of the semester off and leave it at that. But you know, and just something about that being the way that you know is just funny to me. Um, no, that is, that's a really good point. And subtle, but like, I love, I love finding those logistical things in movies where you're like, why wasn't this like explored more? Because this makes zero sense. Or those moments where they give too much exposition and it just creates more questions and you're like, you gotta cut that line. Exactly. Um, (laughs) And then we wouldn't be wondering this. And then we wouldn't be curious about this relationship between like Lauren Bacall and George Segal. Um, But yeah, so you're right. So there's this whole conversation with him. He's upset because she's so beautiful now. And then she sort of, she gets ready to leave and then she has like a, she sits down with him and she basically explains to him, I'm wrong. You wanted what you wanted. I'm the one who basically changed my mind about what my expectations were and attempted to sort of renegotiate once I'd agreed to this platonic partnership, realizing that I needed more. I'm my bad because you're not the one who changed. I'm the one who changed. But regardless, I no longer want to do this anymore. That seems Mm -hmm. to be it. But I I pointed out because this time watching it, I noticed that like one of the things that makes Barbara Streisand look different is she has completely different lighting from this point on in the movie. Yes. Uh, one thing I did clock throughout the whole movie is that the lighting is soft. And then after the makeover, it's soft and very glowy. Which it's like, very glowy. Yes. And in the scene with Jeff with Jeff Bridges where she's sitting on the couch and he's sitting in front of her and they're having this sort of conversation about the future of their relationship or lack thereof, the camera goes back and forth between them. And so you've got Jeff Bridges who looks gorgeous no matter what with mm-hmm. like regular lighting like the rest of the movie's been lit and then the camera goes to Babs and it is like a ring light <laughs> has been attached to a boom above her head and there's a fan going her hair is like her hair is it's feathered it's it's a, it's a full on fantasy she's, she's living and it just was so funny to me because it was like I love that baby girl did not offer Mr. Bridges that same lighting she was like you look good enough this is mama's moment so you just sit down in that seat and we're gonna you know we're gonna rig whatever we can for you so that you're not in the dark but you best believe when that camera flips around every single time I'm gonna be dewy as a motherfucker and you will gasp at the sight and you know what honestly it's Barbara's world and we're just living in it me too I'm I'm all about it I mean if I was make if I was directing and starring in my own movie you better believe the finances I would put into my own lighting because I know how much of a difference that makes there must be movies that actors star in and they think to themselves like oh my god I look so damn good like this movie and then they get to the theater and they see what the director did and they think like that motherfucker Um, so to be in to be able to be in the room even if like it's so funny because it's like even if so and so had a better take a more a more amazing take than mm-hmm. you like it's like <laughs> that performance was good but I didn't look great so we're gonna Get- use this one <laughs> 
Guess what's going to end up on the cutting room floor? <laughs> yeah, we're going to use this one where you stumbled over the word refrigerator. <laughs> but I looked absolutely fucking fantastic. Because there wasn't a flaw to be seen on my fucking face. So. <laughs> also, we can just fix that in ADR. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like a different person's voice. It's like in those movies when they when you, when you they put a movie that has like cursing in it on television. I remember like the USA Network. And it's oh, yeah. like, how dare you, you mother flipper. <laughs> you son of a birch. I can't believe you left my gosh darn oh, I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Please take that out. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Let's say an end. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Leave it. Keep me honest. I don't care. You know what? They can't all be gems. And I'm going to stand by that. And I'm going to lay out who I am right on the table. That's exactly right. You get any more of those expressions, Jane? <laughs> this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I'm living my truth. <laughs> oh, anything else I've seen on Instagram that is particularly inspiring about being my own person, I can spout off. Mm-hmm. The next thing that is fucking psycho that happens in this movie is that Babs starts dating her sister's husband. We do find out that they split up. The marriage wasn't great from the beginning, whatever. But it's, by the way, it's Pierce Brosnan. Shout out to Pierce. He's like this sex pot that is now in love with Babs now that she's had her makeover. And so she does end up going on a date with him and then later decide that like she's too good for him. But like the point that I want to make about this that is so egregious to me is I have a sister and I would be horrified and absolutely never consider dating someone that my sister was not only dating, but fucking married to. There, Okay, so there we do have to... Okay, so at the beginning of the movie, there is mention of the fact that there was maybe some sort of a burgeoning relationship between Rose and Alex, played by Pierce Brosnan. It's mentioned at the reception while Babs is sitting at a table talking to her friend, and she says, oh, I should have never introduced him to my sister. I didn't know, you know, but she was married at the time, so I thought I was safe. So it's like maybe something was happening between them before he met her sister and her sister stole him. But regardless of that, like... Regardless, she married him, like... That's and done. There's no, and there's and you also hear her sister early in the movie say, oh, I'm so annoyed by him, you know, to have to wake up next to him, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, regardless, it's so funny, too, that as film, as, as like filmmakers, that they didn't put a moment in of like her sister being like, whatever, you know, I know. And that's the thing. I know that they spent time building that for us as the audience to be like, OK, with it and not weirded out because the sister is unhappy in this marriage and she doesn't really like him and whatever. But I'm still not okay with it because I didn't get to see that conversation between sisters. No. And you know, I mean, that would never happen without a conversation between, you know, Also, I don't feel like there's a world in which Claire would ever be okay with it either, but... No, no, me neither. If my timeline is correct, like, they break up and then, like, a week later... Babs goes out on a date with Pierce Brosnan and it's like, oh, we didn't even give like a full month. It's not like Gregory left and then, because she spent this entire time, we're, I mean, we're led to believe she, if this dinner had gone better upon his arrival back in the States, then maybe they, then they would have worked it out at that point. So it's like the point that you sort of become resolute about ending the relationship was like, yeah, a week earlier. 
Yeah, like, exactly. It's not like you've had, I'm just saying, it's not like the six weeks he's been gone, you imagine the relationship to be over at that point. So even then, it still would be like less than two months. But I'm just saying, like, it officially ended two days ago. You right. called Alex from like the elevator. <laughs> like, meet me at the bar. We're going out. Exactly. It's enough. It's enough. Anyway, so uh, besides all that tomfoolery at the end, they do end up together. And there's a beautiful scene at the end where they, are kissing on the street and it's very quirky and fun and New York-y. There is a moment also I will point out there's a scene where she's when we think she maybe is going to be with Pierce Brosnan's character and they're making out and then she mm-hmm. realizes she doesn't want him and she is in love with you know Gregory and she goes home but there's a moment in that scene when she's leaving where if you look in the background you can see like a person who I'm assuming is a crew member like drinking what looks like <gasps> a soda in oh the God. background reflection and it's just really funny to me that it was left in. No! I but missed that! Me, maybe that I was love that. Maybe that was when Babs was like, I look hella good. <laughs> We're leaving it in. Well, and eagle eye viewers like Brandon are the one who catch it. And I really wish I caught that. Anyways, do you have anything else you want to discuss? I also meant to point this out earlier and I forgot when we were talking about her transformation in the original movie. I think that it actually is like a plastic surgery that happens. And she mentions, yes, in the French movie. Yes. And she mentions in an interview, Barbara Streisand mentions because an interviewer asks her, asks her about like, you had a hand in the script. And I, I, for some reason I expected because the script, the screenwriter was Richard Lagravenis and I, and he wrote the script and she said, Mm -hmm. but the guy, says you had a hand in the writing of the script and Babs says unabashedly oh yeah he's like you had a lot of input and she's like I sure did any more, any more fucking brain busters was this a part where I was supposed to be sheepish last time I checked that was an icon um so not gonna pretend like this was a collaboration <laughs> yeah and Babs also talks in the interview about sexism and about you know the interview asked her about like this idea that you are a perfectionist and that you have to have your hands on everything you get criticized for that and she's like yep i'm a perfection i'm a perfectionist i know what people want i know what i'm selling i you know i'm yeah. barbara streisand I'm, i bring the same perfectionist perfectionism to making movies that i bring to when i um create albums and she says as people want that for me and so she was like yeah i do and she was like i have a hand in the whole process and i love I, that and it's just like hell yeah fucking like you're not gonna and you're you can't make yourself small if you're barbara streisand i'm just saying like so what like good for you um well, there's no apology And I love that because it's like, I mean, it's just constantly expected for women to be so grateful to be at the helm because they don't get the opportunity. So when someone works really hard to make sure that everything comes out the way they envision it and trust their own vision, they get wrongfully labeled. When she says someone, she means women, by the way, just so we're on the same page. Right. Exactly. I mean, when you get labeled a bitch or a diva or whatever it is and it's like do you think anybody's questioning like Mel Gibson making fucking Braveheart and starring in Braveheart and making decisions for that movie like no he's being celebrated all over the fucking place no I can guarantee you that on the set of Unforgiven starring Clint Eastwood directed by Clint Eastwood nobody was of like whoa somebody got somebody got pretty shouty during that last <laughs> take when the boom mic hit the horse in the head <laughs> Last time I checked, we were working together in a 
collabing. <laughs> Clint has turned into quite the diva since Dirty <laughs> Harry. More like Dirty Harriet. <laughs> what a bitch. Like, that's, nobody's That's calling. the nondescript gay guy on the set of every movie, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure he'll wear his ugly head soon enough. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. But she said that was in the original version of this script, too, was the plastic surgery. And she told... she she had that taken out because she wow. said she was like, I don't think it's about that. And mm-hmm. yeah, also it would like, be a fully different movie to me if, if that was part of it. Also, that'd be sure. awful. If like, yeah. like, what are you, who are you doing this for? Who um, are you doing this for? Well, wow. Well, I think I just want to say like, as we wrap up our discussion on this movie, like I, again was really pleasantly surprised by it and it really like a a lot of the things that really spoke to me was Rose's inner struggle about you know being surrounded by really beautiful people her mother her sister and sort of feeling totally inadequate and like thinking about how what it must be like to move through the world like that and how sort of hanging your hat on the idea that being really beautiful or achieving that one thing, whether it's being really beautiful or being really fit or whatever that means will be the thing that changes everything for you. And then like finally getting there and realizing that's not what it is. Like, even though I have this thing and I've achieved this, this status that I've always wanted, it doesn't mean that like, that's going to fix everything in my life, you know? And so I, I really, I really related to that. And I really, I thought it was really beautifully done. I thought it was a very cute movie. I thought it was really funny. I I just enjoyed it all around. That reminded me of two things. One thing was during an interview with Babs, she mentions that during the scene, there's a scene with her mother where she asks her, like, what was it like to be so beautiful and to be adored, you know, by mm-hmm. people, to look at yourself in the mirror and... Um, and be so uh, sort of um, satisfied, you know? And um, mm-hmm. and she says that, you know, Lauren Bacall, they, that there were improvisations that sort of led to that scene. And she said that Lauren Bacall, what she, what she discovered was that she never thought she was beautiful. Yeah. And she said that that was like an epiphany for her about this way that we perceive people being beautiful and like mm-hmm. everyone having their sort of their own inner struggles. And there's also a moment where after she's had her makeover and she's out grabbing cocktail with her sister, Claire. And it's like the first time that we see Claire taking in Rose as this sort of like also desirable woman. And Claire says, now you're just like the rest of us. Now you're going to do just like, now you're going to do the same thing that we do. Now you're going to take an extra hour to get ready. And now you're going to walk into the room. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you're going to do is start assessing who you're prettier than and who's prettier than you. And, Mm -hmm. and the numbers change the older you get. And I thought, huh. That's like a... Yeah, it's just the classic... I mean, it's the classic definition of the phrase, the grass is always greener, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we rationally know that, but certainly there's always a part of myself that lies to myself, you know, that, that tells me that that's not true. And if I get this one thing or have this one thing everything else will fall into place. And Mm -hmm. when you do get that, it's just, it's true that anything else will rear its ugly head. And I think Mm -hmm. like the message of this is that like life is hard, no matter Mm -hmm. what, there's always going to be something difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I Gloria Vanderbilt, didn't Gloria Vanderbilt, she's just, that's, I think the, the quote was, remember that everyone is fighting an extraordinary battle. 
Yeah, I don't. Like, was yeah. that Gloria Vanderbilt? It, I felt like it was. I think Anderson Cooper attributed it to his mother, but I could be wrong. I've been known to misquote people. <laughs> well, anyways, actually. I'm glad we watched it. It was a great, great movie. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so I feel like now is time to talk about what I'm going to have you watch next week. I feel like it's that time too. I'm chopping at the bits. Yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> So, again, I don't choose these movies so that you hate me, but I choose these movies because I know that they're going to give us a lot to talk about. (laughs) And I actually think you're going to have a fun time watching this one. And we are going to be watching the first movie of the Twilight series. Fuck. (laughs) Look, look. You are. Uh, you just gotta go along for the ride. It's I mean, going. I got no choice. I'm gonna. You've got like, no choice. I'll make like Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler and just go with it. <laughs> I've used that I, before. I think actually. Have you? Well, yeah, it's, it's fine. beautiful, and Thank you should you. use it more. Thanks, Jenny. Do you have any first impressions you want to share? Something about like glimmers or shimmers, I think, <laughs> in this movie. And um, 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 Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart, Taylor mm-hmm. Lautner, a wolf, mm-hmm. a vampire. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was shot in like Seattle. I think Washington, she, like Washington, not Seattle. I, like, some, I don't know exactly Seattle. where it's shot. I feel like but. somewhere like that. It, yeah, but I like, literally know nothing about it. Great. Well, well, absolutely do not Google anything. I can't wait for you to just sit down, press play, and <laughs> be blown away. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we hope you had fun. And, well, see you next week with Twilight. Bye. Bye.